With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here, and joining me, he's an engineer, he's a football coach, he is also an author, Bobby Peters, who uh, wrote the third down manual for the Los Angeles Rams. You may know Bobby because he also wrote one for the Philadelphia Eagles, which we have talked about extensively. And as I'm watching the tape and I look through that Eagles book, Bobby, I see all sorts of different concepts that the Eagles used last year that the Vikings have brought over now with John Filippo. So your books are very valuable. Uh, how are you first? I'm good. I'm good. Well, I'm glad they're good for something other than uh, just decoration. <laughs> uh, no, they, they've. I have learned a ton from reading your book, so I suggest that anybody who gets a chance, uh, even though it's 2017 stuff that you looked at, very relevant, and you can learn a ton just about uh, how offenses are designed, route combinations, all sorts of things like that, just by looking at what a team did on third downs. And because the Vikings are playing the Rams on Thursday Night Football, the perfect time to talk with you, Bobby. So let's start here. The Rams offense does not appear in any way, shape, or form to have been a 2017 fluke. What have you seen so far that uh, they've carried over, and what is different from 2017? So the the core of the offense is the same. The, the Rams, everything, especially on early downs, first and second, you know, second and normal, uh, Everything starts and ends with their zone running scheme, whether it be inside zone or outside zone. Uh, their their movement passes, their bootlegs off of that, their, their uh, drop back play action off that action, as well as um, the you know the, they'll they'll ride the play fake and then the quarterback will drop back and then they'll throw a screen to Gurley. Everything they do on early down starts and ends with that zone run action, and that's something that's been consistent throughout throughout this year as well as uh, as last year. So that's that's where that starts and ends. The, uh, the biggest difference is definitely the addition of Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. It adds an element of speed that the offense did not have uh, last year. And you can see in a few different play designs that, that McVay is using, he's digging to different parts of his playbook to, to feature Cooks and to try to take advantage of potential one-on-one matchups further down the field. So let's talk about these weapons a little more in depth here because I, I feel like Jared Goff 
fell into the perfect situation that at first appeared to be very bad under Jeff Fisher, but suddenly got quite a bit better uh, with the surrounding cast, the addition of Andrew Whitworth, a tremendous left tackle that uh, has kept him protected very well over the last year plus. Uh, Cook's now in the mix, but Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, a good offensive line, Todd Gurley, I mean, it, it seems like Sean McVay just has all sorts of different buttons he can push at any time. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, with those receivers that, that you mentioned, especially their 2017 cast of characters, you know, none of them were, were necessarily household names. You know, they're they're just guys that, you know, were kind of falling off with other teams. Obviously, Cooper Cup was a rookie, but um, to, to, to McVay's credit, he, he schemes ways for these guys to get leverage and – you know, whether if it's inside leverage for an inside breaking route or outside leverage for an outside breaking route. And, you know, from the receiver standpoint, if you can already, if you already have the leverage you need to, to run the route that you're assigned to run, you're going to be open more times than not. So that the, the scheme definitely helped those guys become more of household names last year. Well, let's talk about the nickel corner position for the Vikings has been an issue over these first couple of games. Uh, Mike Hughes got a pick six in his first game, but there were still some bumps along the road. And then since Mackenzie Alexander has been in the last two games, there have been miscommunications and there have been different ways that teams have schemed wide open tight ends and big plays for running backs against the Vikings, which is very unusual. It doesn't happen very often that somebody gets a 55 yard reception out of the backfield uh, against the Vikings team. They were number one last year against opposing running backs. Uh, Todd Gurley only gained 19 yards through the air last year when they faced the Rams. Uh, what type of pressure does McVay's offense put on the cornerbacks with all the different motions and formations and things like that that he uses? So with the emphasis that, that Sean puts on that zone running game, the linebackers, it's a lot more difficult for the linebackers to help on inside breaking routes. So one of the staples in McVay's offense is he'll, he'll adjust his receivers splits. He'll bring them into, you know, kind of like a probably maybe six or seven yards from the tackle. So the corners will have to play with outside leverage due to all the space they would give up if they were to play head up or inside leverage. Now out of that set, McVay will run a hard zone run play action and get, and get the linebackers to come in. Now that leaves a huge void behind the linebackers at about, the maybe 10 to 15 yard window. So the Rams will feature, and this is something that Brandon Cooks has excelled at so far this year as well, um, is they will run like 10 yard mini digs behind there. Um, and that's, that's a staple of the offense. And that's an easy way to pick on corners um, that they routinely use and will most likely use Thursday night. With uh, Todd Gurley's role, how is it that he averages 12 yards a catch last year, 11 yards a catch so far this year. I mean, those are unusual numbers. Usually if a running back is even approaching 10 yards a reception, that's pretty impressive, but he they found ways to just get him in space that few other teams have ever found to do with their running back. So so with the, with the, the focus on that zone running game, part of the McVay's screen package works off of that, and usually with that, to that effect, the play I just described, that 10-yard that mini dig, so that the Rams will they'll do the play fake, they'll have Goff drop back, and then once once the, the Rams hit that quick dig a few times, that's when the linebackers, they see that it's play action, they will literally turn and run. They will turn and run backwards. So McVay, McVay's, you know, sees that on film, then he'll, he'll dial up one of those screens to Gurley. Now with those linebackers dropping, you know, 10 or 15 yards, you know, the only, the only players that can potentially tackle Gurley before he gets to 10 yards are, is a D lineman that can sniff it out. And the Rams offensive line does a tremendous job blocking the down, you know, the front four or the front 
front five, depending on, on the front. And that's, that's a big component as to why Todd Gurley gets that yards per catch. And then additionally, on third downs, McVay will scheme ways. There was two, I think, I believe two instances last year where it was about third and three, third and four. The Rams identified, they got to the line, they identified man coverage. So what they did was they'd have a bunch formation mm-hmm. and all three receivers to that side of the, all three receivers in that bunch would run towards the middle of the field at various, at various depths mm-hmm. to pick, to pick the guy that's guarding Todd Gurley. And Todd Gurley would leak out of the backfield from the opposite side to that side of the bunch. And the guy guarding him would have to weave through six, six players, three of his own and then three of the, three of the Rams to get to guard his guy. And that's, you know, that's, that's a near impossible task that, 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 that linebacker gets put in, put into. So I, I'm wowed by Sean McVay's offensive designs and all the different ways, like you just described, to find playmakers their space. But last year, uh, Mike Zimmer was not as impressed by Sean McVay because he held the, the, the Los Angeles Rams to seven points. And there was a fumble at the goal line, I understand. But uh, for the most part, the Rams' offense looked nothing like it looked the rest of the year when they faced the Vikings. What is it about the Vikings defense that was able to slow down that Rams offense. So in that game, and especially when, you know, any team facing the Rams, if, if your front four can handle their offensive line and stop that zone running action on first down, first and second down, that allows your linebackers. They don't have to bite as hard on the zone run fakes. They can fill into those voids without having, without having to, to sell out to defend the run. So if your front four can handle the run, and you're confident in that your linebackers can play a little further back. They can, they can not be as aggressive on those run fakes. They can fill those, those voids in the zones. And then that gives the corners help on the outside too. So the biggest thing that I noticed from that game last year was the, the Vikings were able to win first and second down, mainly with the, the, the ability of their front to, to, to win their matchups. And, you know, for any team, I don't care how good of an offense you are. If you force a team into third and long situations, that's, you know, no offense can consistently convert those, especially with a, a drop-back stationary quarterback like Jared Goff. So the Rams want to live in third and medium to third and short, mm-hmm. and Vikings were able to keep them in third much longer than that last year, and that definitely helped them slow down that offense. Something that the Vikings experimented with against Kyle Shanahan's offense was having three safeties in the game at the same time. They had J. Ron Curse essentially playing the slot corner, but he's a little bit of a different sized slot corner, put it that way. I mean, he's six foot four and over 200 pounds and is sort of a, a hybrid linebacker at that point. And when Jimmy Garoppolo threw a pick six, they had a, an uneven blitz, you know, where they had a couple guys come off one side and nobody come off the other side. And uh, Jaron Curse was part of that. He kind of used his length to get his hands up. And it's a little bit more of an imposing figure than say, if Nickel Roby Coleman was blitzing off the corner. Um, I, I'm I'm curious if you think that the Vikings will do something like that to blitz, especially off those bunch formation sides, because I think that that is kind of one of the ways that you can throw some of those bunch formation uses off is by blitzing off that side. Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine a similar game plan to, to Sean McVay's offense. Both McVay and Shanahan run similar systems. Uh, you know, they spent a lot of their time together uh, in previous stops, like in Washington um, and maybe five or six years ago, but their systems are very similar and they're, they're both, both of their running games are based off of the zone running scheme. So I would imagine a similar game plan. And 
going back to that Vikings 49ers game, I mean, I put that tape on and I see a defense that was incredibly well prepared for the concepts. You know, I, I remember, uh, 49ers running one of their staple trips combinations where they run the outside receiver on a slant route. The middle receiver will kind of pick form and run a wheel and the inside guy will run a deep crossing route to the other side of the, to the other side of the field. And the, the Vikings, I believe they brought pressure. I believe it was a five-man rush, but they were able to match the routes perfectly, and Garoppolo had nowhere to throw the ball. He's going through his reads. He's sitting there patting the ball, and before you know it, there's pressure in his face. So, um, you know, if the Vikings use a similar style game plan to McVay uh, this Thursday against McVay, I think they'll, they'll have a really good chance to succeed. Yeah, that, I could see a lot of that. And one of the things that uh, Kyle Shanahan was able to do a few times in that game was get George Kittle, his tight end, wide open. There was one drop that would have been a huge play, and then there was another 50-something yard catch, which is, again, kind of unusual for the Vikings defense. But uh, Gerald Everett, I don't know a whole lot about him because there are so many other weapons here. How does Sean McVay use his tight ends? So his tight ends, in the passing game, they're not, they're not really a factor. Their biggest, the biggest way he'll use them is, is in the play-action movement. Uh, the bootlegs where he'll he'll fake the zone run one way. He'll bring a tight end from the other side of the formation. He'll he'll sift across and he'll he'll become the, the quarterback's first option in the front side flat. He'll have the other if there's you know sometimes he'll use Cooper Cup in that in that role and he'll have the tight end on the other side. He'll have that tight end down block for about four seconds and then kind of delay and sit and sit in that that kind of the jet stream that 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 sifter left. There, so so the tight ends kind of kind of play both of those roles depending on the formation they're in. But uh, that's the biggest way he'll use them. And then the the biggest play that you know that San Francisco had success with some of those throwbacks off of those those zone actions. So the tight so the quarterback will fake the run one way, he'll bootleg the other, and then the tight end will kind of kind of sneak behind the defensive lineman and run kind of like a, a reverse wheel route up the other sideline. And I believe that was one of Kittle's big catches. I think mm-hmm. he might have hit. I think he might have hit use check on one of those too. Correct. Um, yep. So that was, you know, that's that's a great way to take advantage. You know, after after you run a few of those bootlegs, you know, those linebackers after they see, you know, similar to that those screens with Gurley, once they see that it's that the quarterback still has the ball, they sell out. They turn and run and they run to the other side of the field. Well, now you got no one to guard the tight end who's who's run who's run a, a reverse wheel route um, up the other sideline. So those those plays are fun to watch because you see the whole defense flow one way. You see one guy from the offense go the other, and he's wide open. And you know it's amazing how often that receiver's open. I mean, McVay and Shanahan have been running those plays for you know most of their careers, and you know defenses see them on film, they prepare for them, but they're still open during games because the defense is so worried about the base of their system. There was one uh, I remember Washington against Minnesota where Vernon Davis did something similar, where he kind of came across the formation and then snuck out with nobody looking at them and they they ended up with a big touchdown play in 2016 against the Vikings that was a very similar look to what we saw against San Francisco and that could be something we see against the Rams. Uh Bobby, let me ask you about the Vikings offense and John D Filippo. I know that you're very intrigued by how much of the Philadelphia offense was going to come over and we've seen a couple of things including a play that uh our guys were making fun of me on Twitter for as I was uh, in in a meeting of ours about something totally unrelated, but I decided to show everyone the four curls play, the old uh, Super Bowl Techno Bowl, uh, Super Techno Bowl play that the Vikings are using to their advantage with the four curls. Can you explain that one? 
Yeah, so the all-curl concept, it was something that I believe was the Eagles' most common drop-back pass concept on third downs last year. So it was, it was definitely something they put on film quite a bit. And what it does is out of a trips formation, the, everybody will run a 10-yard curl route. So they'll run 10 yards and stop, basically. The inside receiver, he'll kind of angle his route in at about a, probably a 30-degree angle to, to, to create you know, even spacing for all four of them, all four of the curls. And you know, the, the receiver on the other side will be able to run a curl as well to make four. And then the running back will typically run a, a check release, uh, a check release swing route to the single receiver side to get to get you know five even receivers across the formation. And against cover against cover three teams, it spaces the four underneath defenders with five with five offensive players. And then against cover two, you're able to get your tight end matched up one on one with the middle linebacker. And then against man coverage, now you just pick your you, you pick your matchup. And in third and medium situations, you know the four verticals concept is you know a very popular route combination throughout football. So these these zone defenders and even man defenders, they're they're worried about getting beat over the top. So when these guys curl up at ten yards, they typically ha- they typically have a few yards of separation between them and and the defender. So if the quarterback, you know, as the play is developing, if he if he determines which receiver is has a one-on-one matchup he'll, and if he throws the ball on time he'll most most likely be able to get a completion and and i noticed that when it worked for the vikings on one of their third downs kyle rudolph broke just enough toward the inside to kind of make it look like it was either a seam or a post and he brought one of the defenders over with him and it just got enough of a gap to be able to throw the ball to adam Thielen that he brought over one of the the zone defenders with him to kind of have two guys on rudolph and only one guy on Thielen and not really defensible one-on-one with Adam Thielen. So it's uh, how, much of, how much of the Eagles' offense have you seen when you watch the Vikings? So I've only seen bits and pieces of the, the Vikings' offense so far. I watched some of that, that 49ers film. Um, definitely big chunks. I think a lot of the, the drop-back passing concepts, a lot of carryover. Um, you know, I've seen the dragon concept, which is a slant-flat combination. It's an old West Coast staple. Um, you know, pretty much every team in the NFL runs some sort of version of that. And then, you know, the double slants combination that's very similar to Dragon, but um, one of the one the inside receiver will also run a slant route. Um, you know, a lot a lot of the the drop back pass concepts and even some of the run game it has come over from Philly too. But um, yeah, there's definitely elements. But Deep Lippo is I you know, I've noticed him he's doing a few things of his own that he's probably done in previous stops too. So it's always interesting when a coach from you know a coach comes from a system. You know, it's always interesting to see what pieces he brings over and then. You know, throughout the course of the season, you know, we'll see w- which situations he likes those concepts. So, to me, that's always the, a fun thing when coaches change. You know, they get they get promoted or you know they get taken elsewhere. You know, what what elements they take from where they've been. You know, it's just a big melting pot of offense. Bobby, your work is awesome. I thank you on uh, short notice here jumping in to give us a little help on the preview of Sean McVay v Mike Zimmer round two, and uh, I would implore all of you to check out those books they're not expensive they're easy to find on amazon and they will teach you a ton and you'll be able to literally watch games and see these route combinations that are happening and and why uh, certain things are dialed up just based on what bobby lays out in his book so it's totally worth it um i suggest you all go check those out third down manual for the rams and for the eagles and thank you as always bobby for your generous time thanks my pleasure And thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast.